Welcome to the Church Doctors Podcast with Scott and Marla Sheely. The Church Doctors Podcast is brought to you by Outpouring International. Love God, love people. Hello, everybody. I'm Scott. And this is Marla. And one of the ways we love to love people and show them the love of God is on missions trips. And we've been talking about our latest trip to the Ukraine. Yes, we are... uh, uh... We've been telling the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> yeah, our experiences <laughs> you know what... <laughs> with travel and food and uh, uh, not knowing what to expect. Yeah. And so here we are. We're in the Ukraine for a few days already, and we've ministered in a church in Priluki. We traveled back down through, back through the nation's capital and out into a, another um, village. village called Bucha, mm-hmm. which is uh, east of... Kiev again. Actually, that was a little more west, I think. Okay. Because then we went back into Kiev and spent um, the night. And so uh, the Russians had picked these little villages surrounding uh, Kiev to to set up in order to be able to take the nation's capital, and uh, which didn't happen. But um, praise the Lord. Because they set up in these little villages, they got hit very hard. Mm -hmm. And uh, the last show we finished, uh, we were talking about uh, visiting some of the families that were still living uh, next to their bombed out homes uh, and got to deliver some food and uh, and pray for them. And uh, now we're uh, in the same area, but headed over to a, a group of apartment complexes that also got hit. Yeah, they... Um... Oh, they're they're quite large. I don't know if you've ever seen the apartment complexes in the Ukraine, but they are huge. They're like, they're like a full city block long. I know, they're huge. Um, uh, maybe six or eight stories high at least, mm-hmm. and uh, just massive. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so... All made out of concrete. They all look the same because they yeah. were built during the Soviet yeah. Uh, occupation. Yeah. And so this one uh, we went to... Um, and let me just say, the reason we know about these places and these people is because the church in Lutsk um, has been going in regularly and bringing food and supplies and humanitarian aid to these areas. So that's why we we have connections there. Yeah, and one of the pastors from the church in Lutsk was uh, our driver. And so, Taras, yeah, yeah, Pastor Taras. So he knew these people yeah. from... from previous trips. Right. So I can't remember the lady's name, but uh, she had, she was before the war started, she was a preschool or elementary school teacher. And uh, she's a Christian and uh, loves God. And, and that's what her call was. And then the war took place there. Apart, her apartment complex where she lived was bombed. And um, her whole world has been turned upside down. Um, but before we tell what what's happened there, tell the story about the the that no one died in the uh, yeah, bombing so, of that apartment uh, complex. They got a warning that the the Russian tanks were getting too close, that they needed to get out, and I think it was in the middle of the night. Yeah. So the, all of the people in that apartment complex left except for nine men, and they were all drunk at the time, and they decided that they were just gonna. St- party in the basement underneath this apartment complex and ride it out. And and so (laughs) the door, the entrance to the basement of the apartment complex was an exterior 
like a st- set of stairs that went down and then into a door. And it just happened to be that the part that the tanks decided to shoot in this apartment complex and just totally destroy was the right over the top of this door. Mm-hmm. So the rubble from five or six stories of concrete fell over the top of this door. Mm-hmm. And so the bombing stops. They decide that it's okay to see if they can get out and come to find out that the, the concrete slabs are laying over the top of this door. So they come up with this plan to find the skinniest guy in their group and to find a hole that they can shove him through. And somehow they found a, a way to get him out. And he went down to the neighbors and got a hacksaw and cut the lock off the, the door at the other end of the building and they were able to get out. So nobody died. Nobody died in that one. Yeah. And so they all got awesome. out. Awesome. And so same thing for them. This is the same time frame as the other neighborhood in the same area that we visited, the other two neighborhoods. And uh they uh they still had to live in this bombed out apartment complex. Uh, for about five months. For another five months. I don't know what the... We have pictures, and you would be shocked at the living conditions. There were many units oh that were totally gone, and a few of them were the the, the, the box was there, but it, it was totally open to we, the outside. We, wa- so, we actually walked through some of them. Yeah, and so they were, they were... I mean, the whole building had to have shook and moved on its foundation because even the parts where that weren't uh, hit directly the doors on the apartments wouldn't open uh, without a pry bar. And so I don't know where the families went to live that totally lost their apartments. I don't either. Maybe they just moved in with someone next door. um, But they stayed without heat, without electricity. Mm -hmm. Through the winter. uh, Through the winter in that apartment complex until the nation of Poland sent some... uh, Like a a FEMA trailer kind of thing. But it was a whole community, like enough for 125 people. each of those apartments, yeah. Yeah, so there was two sets of uh, uh, rows, rows of these connect together prefabbed little and houses. They're, they're little, they're just rooms. Yeah. Just little rooms. With a community kitchen. And a community bathroom. And a little community like room for like a school or a church. Yeah, or like a little playroom for the children. Yeah. Like, I mean, but we're talking little rooms. So this is the community of people that this preschool school teacher, teacher mm-hmm. that used to live in the bombed out apartment complex, she kind of with, by default, because she's a leader and because she's got the spirit of God on her, mm-hmm. she becomes the unelected mayor, mayor if you will. <laughs> of this little t- little village. Right. And she ends up organizing them cooking together. She organizes, she has to do f- disputes that arise in right. between people that don't like the way the other people are doing things. And, you know, and so... She's running the whole she's, complex. She's loving this group of yeah. people for God mm-hmm. and, and has been doing that since the war started and we got to go with her up into her bombed out place and see the de- devastation and hear her story and then got to prophesy over her and encourage her and and get, we also her. gave her a bag of food yeah. too and uh, that really she she could um she could sense the spirit of god and receive prophecy well because she was a spirit filled believer so she said she really needed to hear that that yeah. it was such a such an on time thing for her so that and it was really a, encouraged her. That was a highlight of, right. of that part of the village to see uh, somebody that's, again, uh, totally lost her place to live, and yet her whole focus is everybody else. Yeah. So yeah. awesome. It was. It's it's very moving. Um, yeah. Just hearing the stories, one after another, of, 
uh, and then seeing the difference between those that have no hope and those that believe in Jesus and are turning it around and, and giving it away, uh, to others. So anyway, we finished there. And like I said, we have pictures of all of this, but I have not posted any of these yet. I've, well, we've got a wedding that we're working on. We've kind of been hit the ground <laughs> yeah, running so here. We left there. <laughs> we left there and went back into the city of Keith. We did. And 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 understand even all around the city you'll see foxholes, you'll see I don't know how many times we had to pull our passports out. Checkpoints uh, along all the highway. Over. And um so we asked, we're like, why so many? you know? And uh and they're like, Well, they're looking for spies and traitors. And uh, and also they want to know why are there two Americans this far <laughs> into the country? <laughs> yeah, you know they really looked at us like what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. So um, the next day was Tuesday, I believe, and uh, Pastor Taras and our interpreter, her name was Katriana, and they took us around the city and actually we actually took a, a day of um, touring, if you will, and they showed us the different places and. Uh, there's a lot of history in that uh, yeah. nation. And it it was the day before they were celebrating Sh- Chernobyl, which was about 80 miles from it. That's downriver the from- Soviet Union uh, nuclear reactor that they had an yeah. accident. It was like the 37th. Yeah, back in the 37th anniversary 1980. I don't remember. Two or three. Yeah. And so we saw all their, you know, we we heard the stories of the history and and um, did a lot of walking. There's a lot of walking in Ukraine, walking <laughs> and stairs. There's stairs to everything. Yeah, and that same day we ended up driving uh, back to Lutsk, which is the uh, where the church was that uh, helped. Which is another four hours. <laughs> uh, sponsor us or received us over there. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, then that started a, a a chain of ten meetings. Yeah. So then uh, the we were next, really doing the next several days. Yeah, because they're they're ministering twenty four seven there at uh, yeah. at that church again. It, uh, Pastor Alexander Rudinet's church. It's called the Kingdom of God Church, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a a very dynamic church. He's an apostle that's over many many churches around the world, and uh, they. Uh, Again, his church, most of the people left, and here he is left with a a vision for a big church building that he's in, in the middle of building. Well, and, and it, they've been building for 15 years, yeah. one, five, 15 he's, years. He's getting relatively close yeah. to being done, and he's like, God, what are you doing? You, you blessed me with this big church to have, and now all my people left. Well, come to find out, the people from the east and the bombed-out areas— uh, came to his church because he was the distributor of the humanitarian aid and mm-hmm. the help consistently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when they fled their villages, they came to his place, and his church filled back up with refugees. Mm-hmm. Same things happening all over the nation. People just moving from one place to another, trying to f- feel safe somewhere. I think this would be a good time to share about the pastor that came up from the Russian-occupied yeah. area. So one of them... Uh, lived down in the southeast area, down mm-hmm. closer to the Black Sea, and he decided with his daughter and his mother-in-law to leave that area and, his wife. and to go to uh, Lutsk. And he, he's a friend with 
Pastor Rudinitz, and so he's staying in Pastor's house yeah. upstairs. Uh, he's one of the five families that are staying there, and uh, he, he he still goes back in. He's a army chaplain. He's a police chaplain, and so he sneaks back in every couple of weeks and brings a, a van load of humanitarian aid to that area. But when he and, left, he had a church of about a hundred people, yeah, or less, yeah. yeah. And um, he said that ninety-five percent of the people in his church left. Yeah, so leaving about five percent, less, so. less than ten people, yeah. are, are at his church. And one of those people is a woman that was in charge of the uh, kitchen at at the church to do. Um, whenever the church would gather together, they would have a she meal together, kitchen, yeah. and she was over the kitchen. Well, she ends up taking the charge of being she pastor yeah, of stayed. the church. And uh, again, the same concept of one group of people leave one spot. Well, then the, the refugees that are all the way down in the occupied area left their place and ended up stopping at this place. And it's just interesting how that works. But so now there's around 200 people in that church. That church has grown to 200 people. And this woman who wasn't a pastor she is was now just the she's kitchen a, lady. a f- flame of fire pastor, and she's raising up leadership to lead home home groups, home cell groups, or home churches, so that if Russia continues to occupy this and this land becomes Russian— then they can have an underground church already mm-hmm. established with communication set up and how are we going to do this and everything. And this lady's doing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just awesome. It was like, wow, what? I mean, this is a, a prime example of how God can take something that the devil intended for evil and he can turn around, turn it around for good. And and it's a total different uh, story from the other pastor that was in Priluki who was going to flee and, and prayed, and God said, no, I'll save your city if you stay. So he stayed, whereas the other pastor, God said, go, and because he left, now there's a thriving church of 200 getting ready to break out into home groups if need be. That's yeah, a beautiful picture to me of the body of Christ being activated. Like, like everybody has something to give, and it's not just the job of the pastor to carry the load of everything. And so that was that was a that was a neat story to hear, and uh, so we we got to visit with him some more, and uh, got to be in an, in outreach meetings with him. He's a d- dynamic uh, evangelist. He is evangelistic, and, uh, yeah, yeah. And so uh, on Thursday, back in Lutsk, uh, they have a separate church service for the new refugees that are in the church because the the, the established church days um, the. The regular church folks that ha- were there, they got tired of hearing "get born again" and here's you know here's right. a handout for food and because they needed something else. Besides yeah, and that. so they mm-hmm. found out right away they needed a separate service for that. So they do a, have a separate church for the new converts, the new refugees that maybe don't even know Jesus at all, uh, and that's on Thursday night. And so that was our first meeting in Lutz, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, we Marla did the same thing. She started the meeting out offering the people hugs. Well, you know, we had been told that, um, that look, you can preach, you can give of salvation, you can prophesy, do whatever, but you're not going to get a response from the people. they've heard all that already. That's you're not going to get said. a response. They're not going to smile. They're <laughs> just going to be, they're just there for the food. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't go all that way 
to not make an impact, <laughs> you right. know? And so I got up and once again, I was like, okay, we're going to, we're going to change this. And we did the huggy thing again, like we talked about in a couple of podcasts ago, um, where I just got up and said, we're going to form a line. I want to hug as many Ukrainians as I can and turn on some fast music. And here we go. And so we did that. And oh my goodness, they just could smile again. Yeah. And so it's like nobody had given anybody hugs in a long time. <laughs> and then, and then uh, we did uh, some words of knowledge and called out uh, some things that people may needed healed of, and they raised their hands and God healed them. And uh-huh. uh, God was demonstrating His love t- to them in a touchable manner, and uh, I was encouraging them along the way and uh, invited the ones that needed healing to come front. And after they saw a few people get healed, more and more and more people kept coming, and people were getting visibly touched by the power of God, having to take their winter coat off because the heat, yeah, that was the so heat funny. from the touch of God was yeah. too much. Uh-huh. And uh, and then you gave an altar call for and salvation. And I gave an altar call for salvation. And over thirty, uh, I think, yeah, we had a thirty people uh, pray with us to receive Jesus, and um, I couldn't talk to every single person that got healed. So I just asked them to raise your hand if you felt God touch you and something physically changed in your body, you can tell. And another 25 or 30 people raised their hand for that. And so uh, this group of people that were stone-hearted and were only there for a handout for the refugee church meeting uh, had an encounter with God. And so that was pretty cool. It was. It was. And uh, I think, was that the day that we... Got to spend looking at the church that that's being built. Yeah, we did a tour of the new building. And uh, matter of fact, if you're a construction worker that likes to do missions in that uh, area, you're welcome to go to Lutsk to the Kingdom of God Church. They've got a place for you to stay. They'll feed you, and uh, they're building a multi-level, huge uh, complex that will have a youth department, an outreach department, uh, the sanctuary, which is massive. Mm-hmm and uh, uh, rooms for a Bible, Bible school, school and Bible school meetings, mm-hmm. and it just keeps going on yeah. and on. Right now they're just meeting in a Quonset hut. Yeah. And if you want to help hut. financially support them, they need another $1.5 million or so to no, finish I thought, it. I thought it was 800000 Well, it might, they could use a hundred. Yeah. A million be good. He needs an elevator that's yeah, fifty five thousand. Yeah. So I kind of added it up. Yeah, here. yeah. But, but anyway, they've been working on it for fifteen years and they're debt free. Yeah, and they're still not moved in yet. Yeah, they're meeting in a smaller Quonset hut type building behind that building uh, that it works very well. For, but it's a, a metal building and it's cold in the wintertime and hot in the summer. So. Yeah. Can you imagine, though, how many people would hang around to do a church for 15 years and still not be in it and, and yeah. giving towards it? That's like a build the ark kind of thing. Yeah. But they're doing it. They're doing they, it. And they have a vibrant church. They do. And uh, so, yeah. So we did that. Uh, we also did. We've done. We did some luncheon meetings with um, refugees. Yeah, with and the work with, with workers because they've employed workers, uh, refugees to help work. A construction crew uh-huh. and a superintendent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're all refugees. Yeah, and then, uh, like you said, there was like ten meetings. They kind of all run together at this point. But we did um, a youth meeting that was really fun. It was a youth slash young adults meeting. Yeah, and. Um, it was one night, and and uh, they said, well, we, we were like, is there anything special that you'd like us to teach on or 
minister or is there anything, you know, what would you like? And they're like, well, maybe about how to hear God or something. Or how do you prophesy? Because that was a big question. Everywhere we went, how do you know that stuff? How did, because you're prophesying over people. And one time there was, uh, you were prophesying, there was a whole line of people and your interpreter's working with you. And uh, you prophesied something to the effect of, um, I see you working with um, abused women and counseling them and helping them get set free. And you turn and your interpreter didn't interpret because she was just standing there bawling because she knew the lady and knew that's exactly. She was a chi- um, abused women's psychologist. Yeah, she, she was a lady. social worker social already. Worker, yeah. And that was her heart was yeah. to reach these kind of women. And, and, and they were friends and. She couldn't interpret it because the tears were just squirting out of her eyes. So she had to go pass off and get another <laughs> interpreter. Goes, there's no and... way you could know that. But, there's there's but, just no way yeah. you could know that, she kept saying. they. So the prophetic was very new to them. They just couldn't get it. They just didn't know how that happened. So they're like, teach us how to how, how you do that. So we thought, okay, well, we'll take the young adults um, youth meeting and we'll make it a, a workshop kind of deal. And so we had a lot of fun with that, and they really enjoyed it. Um, we started off, uh, well, they started off with some worship, and then they cut us loose. And we kind of did a thing where we grabbed their attention at the very beginning um, by doing prophetic words. And, and you know, we could just have them stand up and do them one at a time, but we kind of messed it up a little bit. And I said something like, if you had eggs for breakfast, stand up. Yeah. And like one guy did. And so you had a word for him. And then if you've got green eyes, stand up, you know, or, or whatever. And, and so they were on the edge of their seat wondering, okay, is she going to call something that I can stand up and get a word for? And so we had their attention and I, I think we ended up prophesying over everybody. Everybody got a, at least everybody one, got word. one word. Some yeah. of them got more than one. And, and it was fun because they, uh, they kept leaning in farther and farther. Mm-hmm. The more this happened, the more they were like, "Wow, yeah, it's so cool!" And uh, we ended up having a pizza party afterwards. Yeah. And Before that, though, we we did teach him how to hear God. We did an activation. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you yeah, taught. Yeah. You pre- preached for a little bit, and then um, so we it was it was a great service. And then afterwards, they had the pizza, and um, after they were done with pizza. Somehow they just all kind of gathered around, and for another hour or so, they just asked questions. And they were just leaning in, physically leaning in, wanting to know more, and uh, so so refreshing to see the young generation want want the things of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was probably one of our one of our favorite services because it yeah. was just it was fun yeah. doing that like that. But um, oh, let's see, we did oh we did a thing with the yellow boxes. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, that we was did... another outreach where they bring people in for four Sundays in a row and set a really nice spread on a table with mm-hmm. tablecloths and a little lamp, and they yeah, it was feed really them nice. and they te- uh, teach a little teaching, and then by the end of the four weeks, they should know enough to be born again and mm-hmm. feel like they can be part of the church uh, family. And this is this was a really unique. Um, uh, way of doing it because a lot of times churches just, you know, give a salvation call and, you know, raise your hand and get saved. But this was a four weeks. This is what the, this is what it's all about. They, they taught them and they wouldn't, they were not allowed. They were, they purposely didn't do a salvation call 
at the first and second, you know, yeah. they, they, yeah. There was a they plan. waited. There was a plan. Yeah, it was a, it's a program that was uh, thought up by somebody out of the Christford of the Nations that's been adapted for the Ukraine. Yeah, it was real. And then the yellow boxes were boxes of food. Yeah. So once again, uh, more humanitarian aid. But, um, And then we did a Sunday service. We did. We did a Sunday service. Um, trying to think. The, Samaritan's Purse. Had, you know how you fill out the shoe boxes. shoe boxes and you send them? Well, there's uh, the Pastor Alexander's Church is a distribution place that Samaritan Purse uses. And so they had shoe boxes. And so they had been announcing they were going to hand out shoe boxes to the children. And um, that's what they did. It was like 200 kids. Oh, my goodness. The children just <laughs> everywhere. And the boxes and the, the, they were just smiles. And it was just really neat to be on the other end because we've been on the pack the shoe box. End. Yeah. When we pastored in Oklahoma, we did packing the shoe box parties. Our kids would go, we'd take them to the store and, and when right, we, buy stuff. We, and, I got the opportunity to tell the congregation that that's what we did. We, we are the people that pack some shoe boxes. Maybe they didn't go to the Ukraine, but uh, that was years ago. But, when they heard that, it affected them. Yeah. That there's actually real families that intentionally shop for each individual kid and picked out something special for them. And that really touched their hearts. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, there was one box that came, the, a little boy named Luciano. Uh, he got a picture of the family that, that uh, sent the box. And on the back of it, it had their email address and their name. And I thought, well, he's not going to, do anything with that. So I picked up my phone and, and I emailed that family and took a picture of the little boy. And I said, this little boy just received your box. Wanted you yeah. to know that you really blessed that him. And he's, fun. Yeah. And he's got a big old smile and his box is open. And, and probably within 12 to 24 hours, I had an email back and they were just tickled pink that, that he was, that they had a picture of the little boy that had received the box. But um, before we talk about any more about that service, let's go ahead and end the show today, Scott, because we've got probably at least another show's worth of testimonies and the goodness of God to end that trip. Yeah, and so uh, I want to encourage you to uh, pray for the people of Ukraine. Um, if you want to give, you can give through our website, and we'll get it straight to them for, for any kind of help that you want to send. They're still... Uh, feeding people, still trying to provide housing, uh, paying for gas for the vans to drive all over the nation. I mean, they're driving 16 hours there and back, you know, to deliver food. So it's expense for them. And, uh, and then consider being, you know, consider what it is it that God's inviting you to do to help somebody else have hope. You know, there's people that are without hope right here in the United States. There's people that uh, that are in a war in some other kind that maybe you can't see in the in the natural like they can in the Ukraine, but they're at war in their own their own lives. What can you do to to ease their pain, to bring them into a place of hope where God can have access to their heart, and uh, find a way to give, find a way where your gift in the body of Christ can be significant where you're at, and. Uh, if you want to go on a mission trip, let us know. Maybe we'll, we'll bring you on the next trip. Who knows where we're going next? Uh, but uh, so, thank you for being with us today. We love you, and we'll We'd see. We'd love you. to bring people to the Ukraine, but it's a hard trip. Yeah, we need to wait till the airports are open. Right. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.
Thanks for joining us on the Church Doctors Podcast. For more information or to contact us, please visit our website at outpouringintl.com.